Welcome to Founders or Friends podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting, and my very special guest is Brian Mullen of Influx Data. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. No, you're second, oh, time, second time caller, second-time <laughs> podcaster. So I, you were like one of the first ones I ever did. You, it's been like two years probably since we talked. Yeah, I think so. A couple Warriors titles since then. So you know. We have we actually have season tickets at Cruise Consulting. Oh, I can I can. Uh, Maybe we should make this a weekly thing starting yes, in November. Exactly. I, I should have taken you to a couple games. We we have um, we had yeah. So we re-upped for this year, even though it's like infinitely more expensive. <laughs> and Kevin Durant may leave next year. I'm very I'm very terrified of that. So <laughs> um, yeah, that was a good run. I was actually at the game where J.R. Smith did his weird stuff. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was pretty intense. <laughs> awesome. So you have you were at Twilio when we talked. Now you have a new startup. You wanna you wanna talk about the journey? Did yeah, you're sure. just so, like tired and ready to do something new? Or I, I was. I mean, it was. Uh, I wouldn't say tired. Although Sorry. we had uh, <laughs> during my time at Twilio, we had. I think we our son was four. Our oldest was four months old when I started, and then we had another uh, number two. Dominic came in like 2012. So a couple of kids during that uh, long time run, and I was ready to do something new. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was 2000, middle of 2017, like first quarter, maybe 2017 is uh, when I joined Influx Data, which is the company I'm at now. Yeah. Um, and I was just ready to like jump back into it. I'm kind of, the the thing that attracted me to, to Twilio way back when um, was really just like the, the chance to build a company and who knew, we, we, we had no idea like what it would become. So, and it turned out we kind of ran the gauntlet and turned out pretty good. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I also just was like really, really anxious to kind of do it again and like set out with a new challenge and a new product and kind of expand basically into like a new kind of product area that I hadn't, you know, really experienced that much before. And, and that was kind of what prompted the interest to look around. Yeah. And you've, you, the Twilio was like a developer centric software company and it's kind of the same thing, right? Like you guys have an open it source. It is. Version. I, I kind of, in, in Twilio and working with Jeff, who's the uh, CEO and founder of Twilio, like I, I got religion about developer tools and developer yeah. products, even though I'm not a developer myself. And so when I was looking around at new opportunities, that was like one of the one of the kind of things I was looking for was something yeah. that was like really a developer focused product and you know had really good following and you know it's a little bit later, so it was more a lot of the companies I was looking at were open source in some way. Twilio wasn't open source, uh, but you know in a lot of ways kind of acted like an yeah. open source company. It was like a really easy API to use and it wasn't too expensive to get started, right? Like yeah, it was free. easy to get going. Free. Yeah. yeah. And and so when I was looking around at, at opportunities, you know, I talked to a lot of companies and so Influx was something I hadn't really heard about uh, previously, but um, got introduced to the CEO and the founder, um, Paul Dix, who the, the company actually started as like a Y Combinator company. Oh, so okay. yeah. it was like 2013, it had a different name and a different product. Yeah. Um, and so Paul, who's the founder, um, he, it was originally called Airplanes. It was like a, kind of like a monitoring product, like, yeah. like Datadog or something or Sysdig. And um, one of the things that people were really uh, interested in was the time series component, which is like this underlying thing. And Paul himself had, had like kind of banged his head against the wall trying to, trying to deal with that problem. Um, he ended up taking kind of the underlying time series component, um, which is basically a kind of database and engine that he built, and rebuilt it, wrote it in Go, put it out in the open source, and it just like took off. So. And time series means like monitoring data that comes in over time. So like every second you can see a bunch of data came in or something like yeah, that. Yeah, time series reads. is basically an attribute. Of, it's, a, it's a data with certain attributes, which is like it's stamped in time in some way. Like yeah. every one second, every, you know, 10 minutes, whatever it might be. And so what happens is, you know, there's, there's kind of a traditional way to deal with it, like in the kind of big data Hadoop style, where everything just gets 
gets dumped into one big ever-growing repository. Um, and so you kind of have to like know what you're looking for. And so what the, this kind of flips that uh, around a little bit and what you can do is, is kind of look at the data as it's coming in. And so it's really, it's really the product is really optimized to handle data in real time, um, basically streaming in and it's streaming out probably as quickly as it's coming in. So it's a little bit people are using to it to it. read, the, what, is, what do people, like what are some applications built on it? So the two big kind of use cases are um, the same fundamental time series kind of problem, but one is in kind of DevOps and application infrastructure. So uh, data coming out from, you know, as you scale out with containers or as you deploy VMs, basically as people grow, the kind of application stack that they have running in, in the cloud, as that grows out, each of those uh, kind of new instances and the apps uh, and services running on them start emitting data. So it's kind of like a monitoring thing. So the data that's, um, as you scale out, that data grows and grows and grows and it's coming in real time. So you use, our, you use InfluxDB to kind of handle that. And then the same kind of fundamental technical problem in Internet of Things um, except instead of being virtual things like microservices and VMs, it's actually like, you know, devices and sensors, yeah, like yeah. in a solar panel or something. Yeah. And that's, we were talking before to on the mics, because it's always a good sign when we at Cruise Consulting see a new startup getting purchased by our clients, right? So like, yeah. I knew the company you're working at and everything, and I follow you on Twitter, and, and then I was looking at doing like financials for one of my clients, I was like, they spent a bunch of money on Influx Data, and I was like, that's yeah. Mullen's company. Yeah. And then that's what made you reach out to do the podcast. Yeah. But like, it sounds like you guys are starting to get like real traction now. Yeah, it's doing well. Like the open source part of it is uh, is doing really well. We've got 100,000 um, like deployed InfluxDB instances. So that's 100,000 plus people who are actually running wow. Influx in the open Jesus source, Christ. which is great. Yeah, That's amazing. And then customers, like people actually buy the product, like, you know, like the people you uncovered, your client, you know, that's like 450, 500 customers. So it's, it's doing really well. It's that's doing awesome. really well. And we've only had the paid product out for like two years. Like wow. we, uh, I think this is month 24 of actually having a paid product, so. And, and what's your role at the company? So I lead business development, and that means something different at every company you go to. Um, I've, the number of times someone at Twilio over here, they're like, well, what does BD do anyway? So it's like um, the most handsome person at the company. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah. Uh, so first of all, first requirement is wear a college shirt. Second requirement is... Uh, um, we have that rule too. Everyone yeah, has yeah. to wear a college shirt at our place. <laughs> the, the way we think about it at Influx is there's kind of three big buckets. Um, one is, and I'll t kind of talk about each one, but one is technology partners. So these are kind of like integrations and products and services that are kind of in and around um, our product in the, in the ecosystem. Um, another is kind of resellers and referral uh, partners who are um, kind of services oriented companies who are gonna basically do a project and maybe they bring us into that project. Mm -hmm. oh, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally is like an actual OEM business where somebody's building us in and typically we're kind of you know under the hood and not necessarily known, but we're a component of somebody yeah. else's product. Um, the technology partnership. That's uh, kind of similar to Twilio, right? Like everyone was building, Uber was building their car service on it, or, and then used you guys to do the notifications. And yeah, so you know, it's, like, it's like. Yeah, it's like kind of you're, you're filling, you're, you're kind of nailing one particular need, and people are building you into, yeah, uh, into yeah. their workforce. And then it's so. sticky, and they never want to take you out, and you just yeah. get an annuity, right? Yeah, Something. yeah, exactly. Um, so on the technology partners, uh, it's kind of, it was actually one of the things that attracted me to the company in the, in the first place is like, this product doesn't work by itself. It's always used in conjunction with, alongside, beneath some other thing. 
Um, you know, Twilio, conversely, is like kind of a singular thing. You, you have your own application, then you just hit this API, which is great. But you, it's, it's also not dependent on kind of learning and knowing other things um, or having integrations. And so uh, with, with this product, it's a little bit more like, um, you know, useful for the developer to actually have our product with an integration to, you know, X product, Y product, Z product. And so um, uh, you guys have already built, like a, you, you build the integrations or someone else has built the integration, but then it's out there on the web and they can just pull from that? Yeah. So the great thing is open source like really accelerates that. So you have all these open source contributors. That's the yeah. beauty of open source is they're just saying like, hey, you know, these guys don't have, uh, you know, this product doesn't work with this other thing or doesn't have this plugin that I'm looking for. And so I'll just go out and build, uh, go, yeah. go out and build it and contribute it. And so you have like, you know, 80% of the stuff out there is kind of, um, you know, contributed from the open source community. And then the 20%, you kind of observe like where the concentration of activity and desire is from the yeah. customers. And then you kind of use that to guide your like partner yeah. effort. So. Um, it's pretty weird. fun. It is like a, it's, it just makes so much sense. It's like you can see the activity, you can see what people are doing, you can see what they're using it for, and you have like all this goodwill in the community because you made other people's lives easier so they contribute whatever they built back to you. It's, right. It's, it's awesome. Right. And, and there's some similarities to Twilio in that way too. Like, uh, you know, the, the, one of the kind of guiding principles of Twilio and, and has been part of kind of Jeff's pitch in that company from the start is this notion of uh, drawing the owl. So he has this, uh, have you ever heard? No, oh, okay. no. So this is actually an old Twilio thing. Jeff's been out there talking about it. So the principle is uh, like, uh, there's a meme, there's a meme on the, that you can find on the internet just through a Google search is uh, how to draw an owl in two steps. Um, so step one is uh, draw two circles and it's like two ovals on the, um, you know, it looks like pencil yeah. sketch. Uh, step two, draw the rest of the fucking owl. <laughs> and it's like this completely detailed, yeah. like, you all know, around it, the feet it's and the like perfect, and all the yeah. feathers are drawn. Yeah. And the point is like, hey, there's no instruction manual, you gotta just figure it out. Yeah. And so the, the guiding principle of Twilio is that's how our customers think and that's how our developers think. And so we need to give them all the tools to just figure it out. They can't be dependent on other people to go yeah. teach them. And yeah. so get the docs out there, get the product out there in a meaningful way without having any gates whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and so, um, in, in some kind of you know similarity, Paul Paul Dix, who's the founder of Influx, has this thesis of time to awesome, which is basically like he he wants to have this product um, be able to handle the kind of time series data problem in as few steps yeah. and as minimal time as possible, so that people can go and focus on. Other and you things. want the developer once they implement it to be like awesome. This actually works. I'm yeah, like almost like they're surprised exactly. That like, works I don't so even well. have to think about this. Yeah. And so yeah. as we develop the the product over time, it's all being guided by like the reducing the amount of time it takes for somebody to get up and run. Yeah. Which typically, when you're dealing with data and like you know setting up d databases and running it either on prem or in the cloud, like that's it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And so having something that you can kind of do yourself, get up and running in a matter of like minutes and hours is, is pretty pretty compelling. I, I totally get we we actually I told you before turn on the mics, we're doing a lot of software development now to automate a lot of our processes because they can be automated. And it's like fucking amazing what is out there and like nothing not, everything can be hosted in the cloud, everything can be this and yeah. we can there's there's data everywhere. We're using everyone's APIs. Yeah. And it's even like sometimes the APIs aren't documented that well, we can figure it out still. It's yeah. like it's it's so powerful. It's like making our business like I told you, we, we've been able to automate some things that took like a lot of hours from our team that no one liked doing. It right. was like the shittiest work of all time. Right. And we automated it. And everyone's like really happy about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. really cool. It, it does actually literally make people's lives easier. Yeah. So. so have you seen like, is there something super cool that someone's built with you guys that you're like, oh shit, that's like next next gen stuff. Like, uh, well, it's kind of mundane for this company, but Tesla's a customer. I was going to so. say, the autonomous vehicles have to be big, right? Because don't they yeah. spew out a ton of data? Yeah. 
And uh, they, they do, there's tons of data coming off. And, and also there's this notion of like, in, in, when you get into IoT, there's this notion of hub and edge. Mm -hmm. So you have like the hub is kind of like the back end, and then the edge is you know either a gateway or like the actual device itself that sits on the unit, whether it's a sensor or a car or whatever. Um, so in Tesla's uh, scenario, what they do is they have um, battery data, usage data running on the car, um, and then they have these like kiosks that go in the owner's uh, garage and the car plugs into that at night. And so there's actually software running on that kiosk that's dealing with the, the kind of data from the car at a local level. And so our open, yeah, and so our open source can deal with it on the edge. And then there's like kind of a, a larger, you know, aggregate, maybe um, kind of more aggregated uh, workload running on the back end. Um, and so, you know, if you look at a lot of like IoT software, it's like, well, how many devices are you going to run? And how many, you know, how many yeah. cars do you have out there, you know, sensors or whatever? And it's like just the dollar. Massive, itself. massive. And it's like all these cars have many, many sensors on them, right? And yeah. They, and they're cut. Don't they have to kind of work like in real time? So it's like, it's real time data that you guys have to monitor. Yeah, and so you, you just have to deal with it in real time. And so there's a couple of problems. One is like, if you're being charged kind of, you know, per device or per unit or per car or whatever, like it's astronomical, yeah. expensive. The other is like, it's many times like not practical to just send data over an LTE, network, uh, LTE connection or like whatever you have available. Like maybe you're driving out in the, you know, wine country and there's yeah. no coverage and your car is trying to connect. So you have this like kind of on, you know, connected, disconnected type of model. Um, very common in IoT, but you still need a way to deal with it. And so, what we, what a lot of our customers do that are in, uh, that are using us in an IoT scenario is actually they'll run our open source, which is like pretty small footprint and free on the edge, as close to the unit as possible. And then they'll run like kind of the, you know, the HA like high availability kind of like enterprise style uh, service uh, on the back end. The back end being like their data center, their or data the center, garage. or in the cloud. Maybe they run their stuff in the cloud. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. The point is, it's kind of like some paid Third service running on the back yeah, end. Makes sense. And then on the like, we, we were talking about one of our our common friends, Lars Intermix. But like on the DevOps stuff, is that that's the make it easy, make it awesome, and let them build it. Like, is there any kind of cool stuff, any web applications you've enabled that, that are like just total badass? Uh, the, the DevOps side um, is a little bit more about like the infrastructure. And so there, there's kind of two big buckets of what, uh, maybe three big buckets of what people are doing there. One is like a lot of people with containers. Um, containers is like, they're really, so, they're so really hot, right? Yeah, they're really hot, and like everything related to Kubernetes, which was like the the new new, you know, container. Sounds like a diet. <laughs> yeah, South Beach Kubernetes. Um, so a lot of people doing South Beach Kubernetes, uh, and you could say Docker was kind of like Atkins, which is like version yeah. one yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So. Um, so whether you're, you know, South Beach Kubernetes or Atkins, uh, Docker, like you, you're basically as you're building your application and kind of scaling it out, people are, uh, a container is kind of like a blueprint for, for basically what to set up on each additional instance that you're standing up. And so each of those new instances is emitting data. So a lot of people are like, so, so our use case there kind of like rides that transition as people are doing that. Um, but what I think is kind of cool is, um, is uh, high frequency trading. So we have oh. a bunch of customers that are using us for high frequency trading. And one of the reasons you go to, our, if you go to our website, we have like, it's generically called like real-time analytics. Yeah. But one of the reasons is these guys just don't fucking say what they're doing. Like they don't tell you. So I'm an investor in a high frequency trading fund. Oh, and maybe you can like. I'll hook you up with my buddy. But it's. <laughs> It's he's got some amazing stories, yeah. like scary people in the world stories. Yeah. yeah. So obviously these guys are doing. Uh, they don't ton, talk about. They they're running really, tons of data. Yeah. They're doing uh, a lot. They of create a lot of custom hardware, actually. They do world. a lot of yeah. it is custom, and there's a whole set. There's a whole world of like providers that deal with that space. We love it. You guys are doing something there. We awesome. we basically like backed into it, but we don't have a great marketing story because they don't actually talk to us about it. It's a little stealthy. And then, like, so I, before we turn the mics on again, I was like, how do you make sure, like, your product isn't, 
the free product isn't so good that you are unable to monetize down the road? Like, yeah. how do you guys think of it? Obviously, you don't want to hamstring anything. You want it to be awesome yeah. to get adoption, but like, how do you, or what's your, maybe a better question is like, how do you price in your business model and how do you make it so that this can be a venture-backed company and get a return someday? So it's a, it's a tough question, and I think a lot of companies have taken, you know, you know, real consideration and, and actually gone a couple of different ways too. So, um, so that was something, you know, the, there's a couple ways you can kind of have a business model to attach to open source. One is you can just give the actual software itself away for free and then you monetize off of uh, support and maintenance. Yeah. That's like kind of the Horton works. Yeah. Like that was the old, right? the old way of doing it, right? Yeah. And you know, there's some people that do that today. It kind of depends on what your product is. Um, another way to do it, which is what we did, which is you have the open source product out there and then you come out, but it's a, in our case, it's a single node. So it's basically a single instance that doesn't have the kind of clustered, like scalable, um, high availability setup that you would normally have in some, you know, some piece of software running in. So there's no redundancy. So like the node could go out for a second or something like that. Right. And, yeah. So it's a single, a single node in the open source, um, it's, it's, you know, you run that risk, right? Yeah. And so, you know, for some people working, you know, running small workloads, that's okay. And we certainly have a lot of people that are actually running their, their application or service in production using just our open source. Um, but most of the time when people move to production, um, we have this model where they kind of come out of the open source, they kind of like raise their hand, they're like, hey, I'm ready to buy, which is like great for our sales guys. Let me take the order. Yeah, so, um, but it, I mean, there's certainly challenges, but it's like, the difference is there's not, the discovery has already happened. And so when they talk to the people in our sales team and our lead gen, um, or our lead development kind of qualifi qualification team, it's much more about configuration and like understanding your use case and workload and helping you kind of get set up for the production setup yeah. that you need. Um, so it's super, it's still challenging. It's just a different set of challenges. And so what we did was basically monetize um, the clustered kind of high availability production version. And so from a development perspective, you have basically the same, you know, same API, same kind of deployment. The only difference is a little bit different architecture beneath. So if you've built and kind of you run your discovery and experiment on the open source, there's not a whole lot of like you know major change to go from that to the paid. You basically yeah. set up a different architecture underneath, but you're you know hitting the same kind of API except. Um, well, that's awesome. Except so, a different so it's answer. like a very kind of turn flip the switch kind of sale. Like, yeah. Oh great, we can enable that for you. Well, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell our sales guys that you said it was a flip the switch, pretty easy thing. <laughs> they should be telling you that. Yeah. Let me let me just comment. They should be that telling right the now. clients that. <laughs> It's not uh, easy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it's good. I think there's, um, and, and what that does is allows people to um, kind of scale out properly. And typically, what people will do with a product like this is they'll, you know, they'll run in multiple regions. Even if they themselves are running the cloud, they'll like they'll run in one of the two AWS or Azure, you know, data centers here in the U.S. And maybe they'll run one in Asia and one in Europe. And so they'll have like kind of an, uh, a production deployment of our stuff in each of those regions and kind of grows um, based on kind of sites and then the workload on top of that. It's a, it's, it's a really good business model. Yeah. Do you, have, you, do you, have you seen it where like it compounds like you more and more and probably they're, they're recommending it to each other, right? They're like, oh, you have the, this problem. You, this is what you should do. Yeah. The growth within accounts is, um, is pretty astounding. So yeah. what happens is you typically have like kind of like one group and, you know, our customers typically like a, you know, software lead or, or architect or something like that. Um, and so they'll they'll deploy maybe a small cluster for one particular problem that they have or one thing that they're dealing with, and then somebody else gets wind of it. Or sometimes they'll build services attached to it, and then the workload grows beneath. Or they'll say basically a recommendation or a referral, like, "Hey, you guys should use this too," yeah. and then it grows that way. The, the land expand in a big enterprise account or something. Yeah. Like that. So when you sell to somebody that's doing like you know we we have this customer Oracle um, 
and they've gone out and kind of talked on their behalf and a few times they they have a DevOps team who basically does a create a monitoring service in-house for their other development teams and as new development teams come up and like need to monitor the stuff that they're working on, they basically provision new influx oh, every time from this awesome. like central service. So yeah, it's pretty good. So the more software that Oracle writes, the better for you guys, basically. In that case, yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um, and also, you know, it's pretty good to tell people we actually sold the database to Oracle. So that's good. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. <laughs> Larry Nelson didn't see you. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the and and um, it's so it's it's been really cool to see the growth. And then over on the IoT side, we have a lot of. The cool part about that side is probably the new applications and services, like new products that you see. So we have uh, a bunch of like kind of renewable energy customers that are using us directly. So um, there's just one company, Bbox, who does like solar deployments in the emerging markets. And they'll go into, you know, like a residential complex or an office complex and they'll put up a bunch of solar units and those units are emitting data and they'll they'll use our stuff. And the, are those like the pay to play kind of solar units? Like I've heard a ton about those like in Africa where it's like it, it brings power to these villages that don't have power. Yeah. And also a lot of times other amazing things can happen. Yeah and it's like uh, sometimes they run as a backup because like the, the regular power grid is so yeah. unstable. It, it's like oh uh, so like 35% of the time you're actually running off of the backup. Yeah. So. That's Which is amazing if you can imagine like being in a place where thirty five percent of the time your power is out. Yeah. What's the game plan going forward? You just is it are you in the we figured it out now, we just keep doing what we're doing and just keep getting bigger or is there is there something around the corner you guys need to figure out? You know, we're about a hundred employees. We just round No right, way. Yeah. Did you join was it fifteen or something like that or no, it was uh forty something. Okay. Forty oh, something. But still awesome. like, you know, in one year I've been there just over a year and we've added like fifty, wow, sixty people. That's which amazing. is pretty good. And we raised a series C um, nice. around in uh, I guess that was January of this year. Um, and so for us, I think it's really just about scaling out the organization and like maturing the commercial model. So when I joined our commercial products, the enterprise kind of software product, and then we have a, a cloud service, which is basically the same product running in AWS, um, that was only you know 12 months old. And so we were still kind of figuring out what people were doing. We had a little, you know, this happened before I, I joined, but the decision to go introduce this paid uh, product that was, you know, the production version versus the uh, open source. Like there was a little bit of like blowback in the oh, developer sure. community. <laughs> Paul was like on, you know, basically like responding to people in like yeah. real time. Um, but uh, we kind of, you know, weathered that and it's been pretty good since. And so um, it's really just about scaling out. So we just built, uh, we just hired a few folks in, um, in Europe. And so we're like, and we have about a third of our customers are in Europe. And so we're serving that market now. And and just building out the rest of the organization. And that's the kind of stuff you like, right? Because you this did this Twilio, like, yeah, you're, yeah. You know. I think for, you know, my, my focus has, like, typically been commercially oriented. And so when I think about a company and, like, um, joining too early, if your focus is just as, a, as an individual contributor is, like, uh, commercial, it's sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's too early. And so the kind of, there's a sweet spot that you have to kind of look for, yeah. which is, like, is there kind of product market fit? And then are, is there, is now the time that you can, uh, kind of accelerate and yeah. accelerate that and build in some leverage a little bit through, yeah. you know, whatever it is, product integrations or distribution. Yeah, that's, that's what I like about your business model is that people, everyone is taking you into all these other accounts and building on top of you and kind of doing the work for you. Yeah. Whereas if you had to have, I'm sure you have a great sales force, but if maybe only 25% of your opportunities are coming from your sales force and 75% are coming from partners who've 
lead them to you or something like that? It sounds like it's like a networked business model. Basically. Yeah, more. I mean, we, we do like the, the open source really serves our sales force. Yeah. Um, and then we do have any kind of a, a growing partner network there where people are bringing us in. And, and also there's lots of times where people are playing around with us in the open source and when they are ready to go by, they'll be, you know, from a big company and, you know, pretty recognizable enterprise name. And they'll be like, hey, uh, can you guys just set up a reseller agreement with these guys who we already, you know, buy all our stuff from? And wow. so there's a little bit of that too. Awesome, man. You're kicking ass. This is really cool. You got it. Let's do two minutes on uh, Warriors and Cal. All right. What, 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 are we, what should we be expecting from the Cal Bears? Uh, I don't know. Um, Ryan's I'm, a huge – we're both huge Cal fans, but you, I've kind of uh, been fatigued by losing <laughs> over all the years. You, you're, still, you're still a diehard. Uh, yeah. For, those, for anyone that knows Cal, like, I'm, I'm also like, uh, forever loyal to Jeff Tedford. But I still – like. I feel like we broke up a few years ago, but I'm still not over it. Um, so we've had like two coaches since then, and Justin Wilcox was actually, who's a, the coach now, he was um, he was on Tedford's first staff. Yeah, he was like the defensive coordinator, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He, or secondary or something like that. And he was, um, so he's great. But um, I don't know. I mean, they, they were like plucky last year. Like I went to a game, they were played great. It's yeah. like, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I also just love the fact that he's like a good match for the school and for the kids. Yeah. And like, um, that sounds cheesy, but after the, like the Sonny Dykes experience, who was a previous coach, he was like, came in from Texas, like didn't really get California, yeah. like basically got shut out of recruiting in like Northern and Southern California. It was a terrible hire. Oh, it was just so what bad. It just didn't fit. Yeah. He's like super nice guy. Like yeah. seems like a nice guy, but um, just not a right fit. Yeah. I heard some back backstory stuff where there was a lot of cleanup that yeah. Sunny Dykes had to do. Yeah. So, so we shouldn't bash him because your your guy, the guy you love, may have not done some things the right way. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's not like I'm Mister Connected. I just heard a few things. I so. love Bill Clinton. Too. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so so Cal, no Rose Bowl. Uh, Rose Bowl is not happening in my lifetime. I've, so I've conceded that. Yeah. yeah. I'm 41 now. Yeah. And uh, I would be surprised if, yeah. if it happens. There used to be a website you and I you both used to read. It was called rosebowlbeforeidie.com. It's probably and, too uh, impressive. I feel like they need to bring that back. It's just <laughs> the reality that we're all living I'm in. sure they need some time series data. <laughs> yeah, you, could exactly. probably, you could probably sponsor that. Uh, Warriors, I'm feeling good. I'm psyched on Boogie. I'm a little nervous to be honest with you because he's not he's he's uh it's a flyer the best personality it's a flyer it's a flyer so I mean, what are they gonna do release him though like, two years ago they signed Matt Barnes who was like yeah. just NBA bad boy yeah and he was great yeah and he like fit in with the team like he kind of his good side came out I'm I'm I think the same thing will happen and he's got a lot to play for but yeah. he's he's I just don't um I mean, he's actually really fun to watch. Like, he's yeah. a really skilled player. Uh, for those who don't know, the Warriors are able to sign a like an all-star center for like nothing because yeah. he blew out his Achilles at the end of last year. So he's going to rehab, but but he should be okay come playoff time. Yeah. And um, but he he's known for like getting the most technical fouls in the league, and yeah. he's not not the best teammate. And he's also known for destroying a franchise. It's <laughs> <Just laughs> like he's like, like Chris Webber territory. Yeah, yeah. Without and so hopefully you can have the back end of his. Career, I actually like think Chris though Weber. that's not really fair to him because I think they were so incompetent running Sacramento Kings that like I would imagine if you're at Influx Data and they keep like drafting the worst new employees, yeah, right? Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. and you can't go anywhere because you got a contract. And yeah. You're like, I got to be here for five years, yeah. and you guys can't hire anyone who's decent. Like, yeah, exactly. it would be very frustrating. Yeah, and you got uh, yeah. So it's I I think they're I think it's. This particular setup, he's on a one-year deal, and he's not going to stay last, past this year because it's, he's. If everything works out, he's going to get a massive contract, which, yeah. which the Warriors can't, you know, can't match anyway. And so, as long as he like the incentive for both the Warriors and for Boogie is like perfectly matched. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, and he's in. They got Curry and Thompson and Durant, and 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he killed Draymond Green, though, at some point in the season. Possibly. Draymond's probably going to yell at him yeah. a lot. I like. I also like that they um, have moved on from a lot of the veterans, and they're young. And yeah. because you know they they have this like core group of guys who are now like you know twenty nine, thirty, and they should be developing for you yeah. know for the next the next wave. It's but, gonna be. I mean, they still a lot of the guys. I mean, Curry's like I think the oldest guy on the team, yeah. or one, the oldest guy who plays now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's only like thirty years old, I think, or twenty nine. Yeah. Of so. the core, of the core, yeah, of the core excluding of the core uh, ancient. Even and he'll be able to play. I mean, he'll be devastating for a long time because. They could probably just draft someone to kick the ball to him, and he'll be able to make three pointers until he's like four yeah. years old. So I'm I'm really hoping that McCaw ends up uh, coming back and like being being what we thought he was going to be. I like McCaw, but he's um, this is like a raw kind of second or third year guy who can't, he's a little tough to watch sometimes because he can't shoot. And yeah. It's frustrating for me to watch someone who can't shoot. Yeah. But. He tries he, very hard. He was a young guy. He was a rookie two years ago and had this, like, really phenomenal year yeah. for a rookie that was, like, kind of unheralded. And everyone's like, oh, he's going to be the next Iguodala last year, and it just didn't happen. And, so. and, he, hurt, and he got and he a got fluke hurt. accident. I was watching the game where the guy yeah. undercut him. It was, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, so prediction, Warriors win the championship again this year? I do. And then I think it's over. I don't know. I think they could, I think they could win a couple. Really? Uh, it depends if Durant stays or not. I don't know if he'll stay. Yeah. LeBron doesn't scare me anymore, yeah. though, with the Lakers. LeBron, at the ta- taping of this podcast, LeBron just went to the Lakers. Yeah. And they are so – they're that talk about incompetent. You see the people they signed to play with LeBron, they're, they're – Yeah, JaVale. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, he'll, he'll be busy uh, making Space Jam, too. He'll be good. Yeah, yeah. he's happy. Uh, all right, Brian Mullen, Influx Data, thank you so much for coming by. You want to tell everyone they can find you guys and – Yeah, and uh, InfluxData.com, or if you've ever heard of the open source project, InfluxDB, that's kind of our, our flagship open source, so you can find us – by looking for either of those two. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming by. All right, thanks. Yeah.